Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We are in the heat of the summer months, middle of July. It is hot outside, and we are going to be hot and heavy today talking about football player rankings that have come out on Wisports.net in the last week or so and will continue over the next couple days as we wrap up the look at the class of 2020, a very talented group of players, both sides of the ball. We're going to chat a little bit today, kind of break down the offensive side of the ball, the offensive rankings that we put out, and uh, we'll go through the different positions, kind of highlight some of the things that stand out, um, take a look at maybe some of the players that uh, are a little bit maybe under the radar, kind of a sleeper, maybe kids that, you know, I, I, I wanted to move higher or that I wanted to rank higher. It just didn't quite work out um, because there are a few that are like that, certainly. Uh, some some kids that I think are going to open some eyes. And over the next couple months here, once we get started into the season, uh, that, that recruiting interest will pick up for them quite a bit. You know, the, the possibility of them earning, uh, you know, postseason honors, whether it's All-State or what have you, uh, will uh, will be pretty high. So we'll take a look at some of those players. Also kind of break down just what goes into the player rankings, uh, what that process is like as uh, I put that together on the football side. And, of course, Norbert Durst does that on the girls' basketball side as well. Mark Miller with boys' basketball. Uh, when they uh, get uh, get some updated player rankings out, we'll, uh, we'll chat with them on, on what their process is like as well. Mark did update. I think all the classes, 20, 21, and 22, um, early in the summer, early June time frame, I believe it was. So you can certainly check those out. But uh, in a little bit on, a, on this edition of the podcast, I'll kind of uh, go through what I do when I put together the football player rankings that we're publishing right now. Before we get into that, though, I do want to highlight and, and remind folks that uh, there, is a, uh, there is football action coming up this weekend in the form of the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association All-Star Games. Those games are held at Titan Stadium in Oshkosh, uh, hosted by UW Oshkosh. Incredible facility there at Titan Stadium. Great host uh, by uh, Coach Cerrone and, and uh, his staff and, and the, uh, the entire uh, staff and, and administration at UW Oshkosh do a great job with that. And, of course, I have to give a big shout-out as well to uh, Kevin Bolas and the folks down at UW-Whitewater who, during the week, during the, the week of practice here, host the, uh, the South teams for the All-Star game as they practice and get ready for the games this weekend. Uh, but this weekend, this Saturday, at Titan Stadium, it all begins with the eight-player All-Star game, and I think this is the third year, maybe fourth year, for the eight-player All-Star Games to be officially rolled into the uh, the WFCA, uh, with the WFCA offering three different games, that eight-player game begins at 10 a.m. at Titan Stadium. And I always tell people, if you're already going to those All-Star Games, the uh, the small school or the large school later in the day, try to get there a little bit early and check out that eight-player game. It is a great chance to see what eight-player football is about, what some of the differences are, quite honestly, how similar it looks to 11-player football. Um, you know, you can you can see what formations look like, what it, it looks and feels like, and you can see that, again, it's football. It's hitting, it's tackling, it's blocking. It's some really good players. 
uh, getting a chance to show their stuff. So the eight-player game, 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. And they're, I'm sure, going to be glad that they're going at 10 a.m. as the, uh, the weather forecast looks like it's going to be a scorcher, as we sometimes see at the WFCA All-Star Games. Then at 1.30 is the small school All-Star Game. Roughly teams Division 4 and below, although it's kind of a uh, rolling cut line on that, but uh, roughly Division 4 and below that take part in the small school All-Star Game, beginning at 1.30. And then wraps up with the large school game at 5 p.m. Schools roughly Division 3 and above uh, in that one. Always a great day, always kind of the unofficial kickoff to the new season of high school football as we wrap up the careers uh, officially of some of these kids. And for a lot of these kids, this is going to be the last time they play football. Maybe they're not going to play in college. Maybe they're going to play a different sport in college. Maybe they want to play at the next level. They, they go out, get hurt. It doesn't work out, whatever. This might be the last game that three quarters of these kids maybe even play in football. And obviously football is a sport. It's very different than a lot of other sports where, yeah, you can go around and throw the football around two and touch, maybe a, a, you know, a flag football league here and there, but you're not going out and, you know, playing uh, old man or over 30 basketball. You're not, uh, you don't have that opportunity to play football in a competitive, competitive environment after high school, unless you play at the college level, which many of these kids are, but many are not. So the last opportunity for a lot of these kids to have football pads on and play a competitive football game, and they are competitive football games. You know, obviously you, you get a bunch of different kids together, and it's a, you know, a jam-packed week of practice, so you do the best you can to get everything ready in one week. Um, you know, sometimes there's some struggles with that, but uh, it is a, a really fun day, and of course we can't forget a, a real significant part of the WFCA All-Star Games is the partnership with Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, where the players that are selected to participate in the All-Star Games do fundraising, and uh, a considerable amount of the funds just generated in general from the All-Star Game go back to Children's Hospital. Uh, a, a really fun week for the kids that are playing the, in the game is they not only get a chance to meet people that maybe they were rivals with, with played against, at high school and get a chance to know them better and bond and create many times lifelong friendships. But I can't remember if it was yesterday or today, uh, some of the children's hospital patients come out to the practices and visit with the teams and the parents come out and the families come out and, and share their experiences and their stories of what it's like to be going through the, uh, the challenges that they have as patients at children's hospital. The players get a chance to interact with those kids. It's always a really fun time uh, to you know, brighten the day for those kids and also an opportunity for uh, those players selected to participate in the game to give back, to, to visit, and, and learn about the challenges that some of these other uh, people have and uh, really a neat experience. And many of the players in the All-Star game talk about that, that day when the children's patients come out as you know, the, the most memorable part of the entire week. Uh, on Saturday, there will be all kinds of things going on around the game as well. Uh, there will be some charity raffles that uh, Jerry Golombieski from the WFCA does a great job of getting autographed helmets, 
I don't want to put them on the, the spot and say for sure, but in the past, there have been autographed helmets of J.J. Watt, the Watt brothers, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Barry Alvarez, uh, Paul Christ, uh, you know, a number of players and, and coaches uh, from the Badgers and Packers and, and other uh, items that get raffled off. There's, uh, there's a silent raffle as well, uh, silent auction, excuse me, uh, as well out front. Um, other things going on as well. So it's really just a great day to get outside, enjoy the weather, bring a, uh, bring a, uh, a bunch of water or buy some water, whatever you got to do, stay hydrated. But really looking forward to a great day out at Titan Stadium in Oshkosh for the WFC All-Star Games. Again, 10 a.m. for the eight-player game, 1.30 for the small school game, and 5 p.m. for the large school game. Uh, look for more information, by the way, including the rosters and uh, and other, other uh, things, uh, probably tomorrow on Wisports.net. We'll have a little bit more of a breakdown on that. But again, the WFCA All-Star Game does serve as a little bit of an unofficial kickoff to the new season in high school football. And as uh, you have seen by now, I'm sure, we have been uh, putting out player rankings on, our, uh, on Wisports.net, our updated player rankings for the class of 2020. We did um, kind of a preliminary ranking back in February. We did a top 50 overall and then others to watch. Uh, you know, do the best we can with that. But over the course of the last few months, have had a, a lot more of a chance to go through things with a, uh, you know, a finer tooth comb, if you will, and really dig into uh, some of the top players, talk to college coaches, talk to high school coaches, see some of these kids at the WFCA Combine, get reports from you know, how they've done at camps, how they've done uh, at, at some of the combine events or what they've been running or, or posting as far as measurables. Um, a chance to review a lot more highlight films as well. Uh, just on the offense alone in the last week, I've watched north of 100 highlight films and, and huddle films of kids to, uh, to put all of this together. So uh, a lot more information that we have now that we utilize to put together more thorough player rankings compared to what we did in February. And, and as you uh, may have seen, we do, for the most part, a top 15 at each position. Um, we did expand, as I had posted on Twitter uh, earlier this month, we did expand the offensive line rankings from 15 to 20. It was just too tough to cut down to 15, to be quite honest with you, and it was still too tough to do it at 20, but there were 18 kids on the offensive line that had Division I uh, scholarship or FBS offers of some kind, let alone kids that had, um, you know, non-scholarship D1 offers or, you know, were, were very good players that were getting attention and interest. Um, there was probably 30 to 35 kids that you could rank and, and you know, be uh, – you know, it wouldn't be bad to have them in the rankings. It would be defensible to have them in the rankings, but ultimately did cut down to a top 20 in offensive line for the first time this year. And then at uh, tight end and, and fullback, H-back, that kind of hybrid position, we do a top 10. Uh, but now I would like to kind of go through each of the positions. Uh, actually, before we do that, let me just kind of break down how we do that and, and what that process is like. As I said, over the last few months, we have had, I have had, 
and I'm the one that does it. So if you don't like it, complain to me. Don't complain to Mark Miller or Norbert Durst. I'm the one that does the football rankings. Um, I have had a chance to uh, look at a lot more film, to talk to a lot more high school and college coaches. I try to get uh, as many people's opinions on on kids as I can. Have have talked to a number of college coaches, uh, just kind of picking their brain and seeing what they what they think about kids. Uh, again, got a chance to see a lot of kids, a lot of high-level kids at the WFCA Combine, which is always a good thing. You know, get a chance to, to see their body type, to see, uh, you know, what, they, uh, what they're doing, um, you know, what kind of weight they might be able to put on at the ne- for the next level, see how they move, obviously get updated results and in, in times and measurables for kids as well. Uh, so a, a lot more information that we have now and kind of the way I start the whole process, I, I open a spreadsheet on the uh, on the computer, um, you know, kind of begin with some of the kids that we've already ranked in the past uh, when we did our top 50 overall, uh, kind of start with them. And I do a spreadsheet for each position, um, starting with those kids again that we've already ranked, add in some kids that uh, have received Division One offers, you know, since that time period, maybe they weren't in our top 50 initially, but they have uh, started to get some D1 interest since that time. Add those kids in. Uh, add in any kids that uh, you know we've noticed uh, that have been picking up interest at the D1 and D2 levels. Kind of add those in and just start a rough list going. Uh, and then go through every all-conference list in, in the state, all 49 or 52 of them or whatever it is, um, go through those lists and, and uh, certainly rely heavily on the opinions of coaches, which that's what the all-conference lists are. Review some of the all-region information as well that coaches submit and uh, you know pick out kids that um, maybe should be added into consideration for our rankings or maybe kids that you know we, we put with the others to watch and, and create kind of a, a sub-list under that. For pretty much every position, uh, once I go through, uh, again, the list of kids that we already ranked, the list of kids that are getting scholarship offers, and then going through the all-conference lists, I usually have more more kids than there are spots. So for instance, in the, you know, the quarterback list, I might have 18 or 20 quarterbacks that I look at and say, okay, this is my preliminary list, a rough list of who I think could be in the top 15. And then it's really paring it down from there. Um, kind of throw together a, uh, a rough order for those kids. And then for some of the kids at the bottom that, you know, are in contention for that last spot or last couple of spots in the, the top 15, really break it down further, look at their highlight film again, um, you know, just kind of review things a little bit closer and then make that decision of, okay, this, this player will stay in the top 15 and this player or these couple players will drop out and, uh, and go to the others to watch list. And then from there, uh, the the uh, the rankings kind of feed themselves, if you will. Again, I, I kind of preliminary rank each position. So if I'm working on quarterbacks, I'll uh, assign a one through fifteen on all the quarterbacks. Start uh, digging in and writing the player profile, the evaluation part of it for each kid. And there's always always changes that come about while I'm doing that process as I, again, look at things further, um, you know, reviewing highlights of a a kid that I had at maybe nine, 
and then comparing it to kids that I had at seven, eight, whatever. If I say, if I look at it and say, all right, well, this, you know, this kid, uh, you know, I, I think should be moved up. I'll, I'll move kids around from that preliminary list that I have put together. Happens at every position. Everyone has uh, sometimes a couple or a few kids that move up or down based on, uh, again, as I'm writing those reviews and looking at their, their stats from last year and looking at their highlight film, all that good stuff. Uh, things change while I'm doing that process. So uh, go kind of start at the bottom at, f- at 15, uh, working on the, pre- uh, the uh, profile part, the evaluation and biography information, then work my way up and, uh, again, move a few here or there along the way. And that's, uh, that's where it then gets published on WSN. So a, uh, a process that is several months in the making, um, you know, the actual player rankings production part, you know, is a couple of weeks in the summertime. But again, the information gathering, the, uh, you know, the, the rough drafting in my head of, okay, these are some of the top kids at, at the, the spots, whatever, that goes on for, for several months in the spring and even into the winter um, and all kind of comes together in our player rankings that are published on WSN. So let's take a look at the quarterback rankings, uh, a really good group of quarterbacks, a, a pretty deep group of quarterbacks. There's not that one guy that, you know, is at the top is a, um, you know, a, a high level D1 type kid. We, we don't have a lot of those at the quarterback spot in the state of Wisconsin, but um, at the top, I did have Luke Fox, who is one of several kids on the list that is not going to play football at the next level because they are playing a different sport. Fox is committed to Duke excuse me, for baseball, but I think could have had um, a future as a scholarship player in football if he had chosen to pursue that route. We saw him uh, on display at the state tournament game last year, the state finals, when he led the Crusaders back from that uh, 24-point deficit with 37 straight points, got to see him sling the ball all the way around, show his athletic ability running the football as well. Really one of the more impressive performances that we've seen at the state, uh, state finals and so he's the number one kid. Uh, other multi-sport kids or other sport kids, Johnny Davis from Lacrosse Central, I had third. He's committed to Wisconsin for basketball. Um, but again, I, I think a kid that could have been a scholarship-type player in football. Uh, Isaac Lindsay, further down the list from Mineral Point, uh, committed for basketball to UNLV. Uh, another kid that I think could have been in the, in the scholarship realm, maybe, uh, at least at the Division II level for sure. Uh, if he had chosen to focus on football. Then there's also a few other guys that, uh, you know, are quarterbacks in high school, but are probably not going to be quarterbacks at the next level. And the one that stands out the most is Cole Wisniewski from Sparta. Uh, First-team all-conference quarterback last year, uh, really uh, stood out at the WFCA Combine, posted some big numbers, an impressive athlete. He's about six foot four, 190 pounds, maybe a little bit more now. Um, but his future is at a different position at the next level. He, you know, it could be a receiver, it could be defensive back, outside linebacker, kind of remains to be seen. But uh, a kid that, uh, again, had uh, a lot of offers, had a lot of, um, you know, options that he could go with at the next level uh, and ended up committing to uh, North Dakota State, right? <laughs> now, now I'm doubting myself. Uh, yes, North Dakota State. I'm sorry. 
um, had some offers from Northern Illinois, Wyoming, the other uh, other Dakota schools, etc. But he'll head to North Dakota State, and uh, be interesting to see how they use him at the next level. So a pretty strong group of quarterbacks. Um, again, not that one high level FBS Big Ten type of guy, but some really good depth in that class of uh, of quarterbacks. Johnny Kelleher and Brooks Blount from uh, uh, Waukesha North and Waukesha West, respectively. That's three Classic 8 quarterbacks in the top six. In addition to Wisniewski and Johnny Davis, Austin Larson from Alaska was seventh. So that means the Mississippi Valley Conference had three players in the top seven. So of the top seven quarterbacks, six of them came from the same two conferences. Uh, the other one was uh, Jason Saniti from Madison Memorial out of the Big 8. And the Big 8 has a, a pretty nice group of signal callers this year, including Adam Becks, who I did not have in the top 15. One of the last ones, maybe even the last one that I cut uh, out of the top 15, but I think certainly could deserve to be in uh, in that group. He had a big season last year, and uh, I think Verona has a lot of talent back offensively and defensively, uh, and, and he could put up some big numbers and be a kid that gets some attention. Another multi-sport kid is Connor Kirkey from Iola, Scandinavia. Uh, led them to a state title, helped them to a state title last year, did not throw an interception all year. He's committed to uh, for baseball, but uh, I think could have been a uh, pretty darn good football player, whether it was at quarterback or a different position. He could have been a pretty good uh, uh, prospect in football at the next level as well. So that's our look at the, uh, at the quarterbacks. The next position that we published was running backs, which this year is a pretty solid group as well. Uh, does not have a Julius Davis or Melvin Gordon that's uh, you know headed to a Wisconsin or a Big Ten school, a Torrin Young, something like that. Um, but uh, some really interesting and intriguing kids kind of down the rankings a little bit that I'm uh, really interested to follow this year. It does start at the top, though, with Rashad Lampkin from Brookfield Central. Really athletic player, um, you know, kind of on the cusp of maybe getting some of those uh, Big Ten type offers. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, I don't know if it will, but uh, he's got a lot of interest and a lot of offers at the FCS level. And uh, a kid that's been on varsity a couple years, put up big numbers last year. Another Brookfield player, Donovan Hunt, was second in the rankings from Brookfield East, kind of like Lampkin. Um, you know, received from received some attention and interest from the Division One FBS schools, but uh, did not uh, reel in one of those offers. A uh, few other interesting kids in the top five, top, top six area: Seth Cole from uh, River Falls, who uh, put up some big numbers last year. I've, I've got him third. Tyler Tenner from Racine Lutheran, a kid that had a huge year last year, was All State and has a chance to break what is now Bryce Hittner's record for career rushing uh, yardage. He's actually ahead of where Hittner was heading into last year, and Tenner was a, a big part of the uh, Racine Lutheran team that made it to state last season, and he'll be a big part this year. Um, could be in for a big year. Isaiah Gash from Bayport, really explosive player with the ball in his hands uh, that I have at fifth in the rankings. Um, you know, Similar to Lampkin and Hunt, received some of that FBS interest, but... Uh, in terms of offers, it's been more the D2, D1, FCS type uh, level. A player that I was really impressed with when I saw uh, him in person last year at Verona is Madison Memorial's Cam Marshall. 
uh, 5'10", 170 pounds, but really strong with the ball in his hands, really explosive, uh, a playmaker kid at the running back position. And we mentioned that Jason Saniti, the quarterback from Madison Memorial, was, uh, was in our rankings and uh, has a D1 offer. And uh, kind of interested to see what Marshall can do this year and what Memorial can do, Madison Memorial can do this year in a pretty loaded Big 8 conference. Tamir Thomas from Menominee Falls wasn't, you know, wasn't expected to be a, uh, a big name last year or put up big numbers as he was playing behind Julius Davis, the Badger recruit in Menominee Falls. But then Davis got hurt, what was it, third game of the year, something like that. And Thomas stepped in and did a nice job and looks like a pretty impressive player. He, he got some good film last year. But stepping into this year as the uh, the featured back right away, it's going to be interesting to see if he has a big uh, beginning to the season, if he starts to garner some of that recruiting interest. Nathan Lubinsky from Onalaska, uh, another kid that uh, interested to see how his recruitment plays out. He was injured most of the year last year, but uh, was looking very good before that. He's a running back and a linebacker. He might be a linebacker prospect at the next level, might be his best spot, I'm not sure. But a really talented kid, athletic, um, strong kid that uh, interested to see how he goes and, and how his recruitment goes if he gets back to, uh, to full health. Staying in the Mississippi Valley Conference, there's a number of talented off, uh, offensive skill position players there this year. Brett Holden from Holman had a big WFCA combine and uh, was one of the more impressive kids there uh, athletically and, and great strength. And he was a, uh, an all-conference player last year at Holman, so interested to see how he does. Uh, Amarian, uh, Amarian Allen from Milwaukee Marshall was a kid that I just couldn't find much out about. He was a first-team all-conference last year. I believe he was WFCA All-Region. Um, just couldn't find much information about him. Couldn't find a highlight film or uh, anything like that. So didn't make it into the top 15, but interested to see how things go with him and uh, you know, if, if he gets some of that recruiting attention. And, you know, un unfortunately, that, that's not uncommon for the city conference players and, and teams to kind of struggle to get information on some of those kids or, or even find their huddle film um, sometimes. So I uh, hope to be able to do that a little bit more, hope to be able to follow how he does and, uh, and see, you know, if he gets in that conversation. Uh, and certainly some other very good kids that just couldn't find a spot in the rankings for them. Uh, kids like Jose Concepcion at Hortonville, who's a multi-year standout. Isaiah Dodd at Racine St. Catharines will take on a bigger role now that Deshaun Brown has graduated there. Um, Carter Horseman at Bangor, he's been a, a multi-year standout. Uh, so a good group at the running back spot. Uh, not a, you know, like I said, not a Big Ten type player in the mix necessarily, at least as of right now, but uh, a pretty solid depth in that running back group this year. For receivers, it, it's uh, an interesting group this year. Um, for the first time in, in a few years, it, it's been a little while, I think it's going back to Jazz Peavy from Kenosha Tremper, there is a Badger commit from the state at the receiver position on scholarship. And that's uh, Chimir Dike from Waukesha North. Um, all-State kid had over a thousand yards last year in, in just nine games, and uh, he committed to to Wisconsin in the offseason. But he's not the only uh, talented player in that group. Uh, Jordan Davis, the twin brother of Johnny Davis from Lacrosse Central, he will head to Wisconsin on a basketball scholarship. But 
for a long time, it, it kind of seemed like he might head down the path of a, uh, a football opportunity at the next level. Uh, he's a, an outstanding receiver at Lacrosse Central, and uh, you know it seemed like maybe a preferred walk-on offer was in the works from Wisconsin, maybe some, uh, some offers from some other teams for football, but ultimately uh, basketball won out, and he did get that scholarship offer from uh, Greg Gard and the Badger basketball team. Uh, so he'll head there on uh, a basketball scholarship. Some kids that uh, are, I don't want to say they're similar, but uh, uh, some kids that I, I think have some good potential for the next level. Joe Sigma from Catholic Memorial, Connor Wenick from Kimberly, Kimberly excuse me, Colin Schaefer from Sun Prairie, uh, all really productive players last year and, uh, and did a nice job at some pretty high-level programs. A few kind of interesting or intriguing players to watch this year. Connor Leffler from Germantown, I was really impressed with his highlight film. He only played about half the year due to injury, and half the games he played, he played at quarterback. Uh, didn't throw the ball a ton, actually ran it more than he threw it, but man, you could see the explosiveness uh, that he has, 5'10", 172 pounds. I'm thinking a slot receiver at the next level. Maybe uh, he does have an offer from Air Force, maybe a, a slot back. Uh, in some kind of an option offense because he did also play tailback for Germantown. He also played receiver for them. Um, but, man, when the ball was in his hands, he looked really, really good. And, and that was obviously against good competition at Germantown where they're playing in the Greater Metro Conference. Um, a, a kid that has some D1 offers at the lower levels, but you know if, if he can have a big start to the year, prove that uh, he's healthy, prove what he can do when he's healthy, uh, a kid that I really like as a sleeper. And again, when it comes to having the ball in his hands, there was not many players that were better uh, based on what I saw on film than, uh, than what Connor Leffler can do. Uh, Hakan Anderson from Verona, another very versatile player in that he rushed for over 600 yards and had over 500 yards receiving last year in the uh, the wing T offense or version of the wing T, whatever it is that Verona want, uh, Verona runs, um, moved him around, got him the ball in a lot of different ways. And uh, again, that Verona team I mentioned earlier has a lot of talent. Goodness. Uh, up front, they've got a couple uh, D1 players that we'll talk about a little bit later. Their quarterback, Adam Bax, is very good. Not only do they have Anderson in the backfield, but they also have uh, Keegan Lindell uh, returning. They have... Um, Maybe he's graduated. Uh, I should probably double-check that. Uh, but they also have Jackson a uh, Jackson Acker, who saw limited action running the football last year but was impressive enough and is athletically impressive enough that he committed to Wisconsin, a, a 2021 kid, so just going to be a junior. So a lot of individual talent on that Verona team and uh, a team that I think can uh, maybe challenge Sun Prairie uh domination in the Big 8 and, and should be right there with Middleton and um, maybe Madison Memorial getting into that mix along with Sun Prairie. And Charlie Fish at Mount Hora Barneveld, uh, fourth receiver on a very talented uh, group of uh, pass catchers last year, but um, showed some flashes, did run 4.44 in the 40-yard dash at the WFCA Combine, the fastest 40 time there, was impressive at some other camps and events this uh, offseason as well. And I think a kid that a lot of schools are going to follow and uh, see how his film looks the first few weeks of the year, see if he can you know, have some, uh, some breakout performances, 
translate that athletic ability and potential to uh, you know some impressive film, and uh, maybe pick up some of those uh, those offers that that he's looking for. Solid group of receivers. We do have uh, again a, a Big Ten, a Wisconsin commit at the top, and uh, some pretty interesting and kind of under the radar players elsewhere in that wide receiver group. How about the tight ends this year? where there are five kids that have Division I uh, scholarship offers and have made Division I commitments. Um, really impressive group. Uh, tough to rank some of them because they're all kind of right there in terms of production, ability, measurables. They, they kind of remind me of each other in a lot of ways, uh, some of the kids do. But ultimately, Joe Stoffel was the top-ranked tight end from River Falls. I was really impressed with his film for, for quite a while, uh, you know, kind of a prototypical tight end, if you will, six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds. Reminded me of some of the guys that the Badgers have had recently. You know, uh, Fumagalli and uh, and some of that group. He uh, he didn't get an offer from Wisconsin. He he did get some very good offers: Northern Illinois, Buffalo, a uh, number of MAC schools. But he chose to commit to uh, D1 FCS powerhouse, defending national champion North Dakota State. That's a real nice pickup for the uh, for the Bison and. Uh, and, and their coaching staff. Um, and then after him, some, some really good players. Mitchell Bardo from Kimberly, committed to Western Michigan, had an offer from Syracuse and a number of MAC schools as well. Jake Novotny from Marquette, very athletic kid, committed to Northern Illinois. Brett Spaulding from Franklin, committed to Illinois State. All kind of in that same mold, six foot four to six foot five, uh, good skills, move well, you know. Pass catching is the strength of their games right now, um, but certainly kids that uh, can do some other things. So a really strong group of tight ends. Davis Heinzen is also in that group, six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. A uh, couple times that he's been uh, an all league player in the FRCC, but I wonder if he might be a kid. Talking to some college coaches too, that that uh, ends up on the offensive line at the next level. His frame kind of lends itself to that. Same thing with excuse me with Billy Wyatt from West Pier. Six foot six, two hundred and fifty-five pounds. Uh, caught some attention from a lot of schools early on. Did not get those uh, those high-level offers, but uh, a kid that probably is destined for a different position at the next level, whether that's offensive line or defensive line. I really like the film of Patrick Watson from Appleton North. I listed him as an H-back. He was all-conference as a fullback. But he did a lot of things with the ball in his hand last year. I believe he led the team in receiving last year. He also had uh, quite a few rushing yards. They moved him around to a lot of different places and asked him to do a lot of different things. He might be a running back at the next level, depending on the, the scheme. He might be a fullback, maybe an H-back, a movement back. Um, just kind of depends on, on the opportunities. But really impressed with what he did last year. And then you also have some guys like Cole Weber from Bayport, Nathan Gehring from Keel, Moses Real from Fond du Lac. So a really strong group of tight ends this year, pretty deep group as well, and, uh, and like what uh, that group has to bring to the table. Speaking of liking what a group brings to the table, how about the offensive line group in the state of Wisconsin this year? We've had some very, very good offensive linemen. Every year there's, there's a number of scholarship, Big Ten, Badger-type offensive linemen in the state of Wisconsin. And I wonder if this might be as good as any of them. Um, as I talked about earlier, when I was putting my rankings together, I could not cut down to 15, so I ended up doing 20 and could have had another 10 or so that 
you could make a very strong argument to be included um, in some really elite kids at the top. Uh, the University of Wisconsin cleaned up in offensive linemen in Wisconsin this year. Had a really fierce battle for uh, Trey Wiedig from Kettle Moraine, uh, but did get a commitment from him, six foot seven, three hundred and two pounds. He's the top ranked player. It's kind of one A and one B though between Wiedig and Jack Nelson from Stoughton, who I've got a chance to see play in person a few times. I have not got a chance to see Trey, uh, Trey Wedig since his sophomore year. I, I saw him that year, did not see him last year though. Um, but Jack Nelson from Stoughton, as impressive as any player, any offensive lineman that I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, I'd go back to probably Jaden Galt from Monona Grove, uh, who I saw play uh, back when he was a junior especially. He hurt his knee his senior year, kind of limited him, but his sophomore and junior film and, and in person seeing him play was really impressive, and Jack Nelson is kind of in that same mold. Now, I did not see Cole Van Lannen from uh, Bayport play in person. I did. Uh, I saw um, Ben Bredesen from Arrowhead play uh, at the state finals, uh, can't, I don't believe that would have been his senior year. It might have been his sophomore and or junior year. Um, but Jack Nelson is is right up there with any of those guys, in my opinion. Uh, Wiedig and Nelson both ranked in the top 200 to 250 players nationally, ranked very highly at their positions. Jack Nelson, by the way, uh, went to the WFCA Combine. He'd already committed to Wisconsin a long time ago, but uh, just wanted to go and compete because that's the kind of kid he is and put up one of the fastest pro agility times, or, or was it Eldrill? I can't remember for sure now, um, that that we saw there. Uh, just incredible how quickly he moved and how effortlessly he moved for a big guy. But that wasn't the only ones. As I mentioned, Wisconsin cleaned up. They also got Ben Barton from Stratford, who had uh, kind of been under the radar for a little while. I know Iowa was really hoping to kind of steal him and keep him as a uh, you know, an uh, under-the-radar kid that nobody else knew about, but ultimately Wisconsin came in with an offer and Barton committed to the Badgers. A two-way lineman, very impressive, obviously, at state for Stratford last year. Could be a kid that lines, uh, ends up on the defensive side, maybe, at the next level, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Tanner Bordoloni, uh, excuse me, Tanner Bordolini from Kiwani, 6'5", 240 pounds. He's probably up north of 250 by now. Um, another Wisconsin commit, a kid that uh, was a two-way player, really good player for Kiwani, attracted a lot of attention in the winter and early spring months, and uh, you know got offers from the likes of Miami, Florida, Iowa, uh, Syracuse, uh, tons of MAC schools. Had I, I think around 20 or close to 20 offers, uh, but did get that offer from Wisconsin and did commit to the Badgers pretty quickly. It doesn't end there though. Uh, the Badgers also got our number six ranked lineman, Sean Timmis from Marquette, as a preferred walk-on. He had north of a dozen D1 offers and had uh, a lot of different options that he could go with, but a, a high academic kid that decided athletically and uh, academically that Wisconsin was the best route, even if it had to be as a preferred walk-on. And obviously we've seen a lot of preferred walk-ons have great success at the University of Wisconsin. But I was really impressed with a lot of the other players here that uh, didn't maybe get a Big Ten type offer, but I thought they were good enough to. And uh, talking to a lot of coaches, uh, I think they were very close. Um, Gunnar Killen from Verona, six foot seven, two hundred fifty pounds, six seven. And the impressive thing uh, among many 
about him is that he played a lot of center, played center for Verona last year at six foot seven. They asked him to move around. They asked him to uh, to pull, and he did it very well. And a kid that I think would have a lot of versatility at the next level, kind of in that same uh, realm would be Evan Buss from Kimberly, six foot six, two hundred eighty pounds. Another kid that plays center and was asked to pull and do a lot of things. Um, Killen, by the way, has more than a dozen offers, hasn't committed yet. Uh, Evan Buss has committed to Northern Illinois, part of a really strong group of players that Northern Illinois is getting from Wisconsin this year, by the way. We'll talk about more of them in this uh, offensive line group. But uh, Evan Buss moved around as well. Braden Doyle from Bayport I liked a lot, more of an interior lineman, probably a guard. Uh, 6'4", 275 pounds. Uh, he's committed to uh, Central Michigan. But you go up and down the list of offensive linemen, Tyler Pitzel from McGuanago committed to uh, Northern Illinois. You have Adam Vandervest from Verona who committed to uh, Central Michigan? No, Western Michigan, sorry. Uh, got my directional Michigans uh, mixed up there. But he received 12 to 15 or more offers this year. Um, John Champy from Brookfield East committed to Northern Illinois. Cameron Jackson from uh, Tosa West has a number of scholarship offers, including Central Michigan and Toledo. Kerry Kadanko from West Pier, another outstanding lineman for the Phantoms. Uh, you know, a handful of D1 offers. Andrew Felt, uh, Fenton from Menominee just committed to North Dakota. A uh, Anthony Vacula from uh, Vacula from Whitnall committed to Northern Illinois, and he's the number 15 prospect. And he's committed to Northern Illinois, a very good MAC school. Uh, you go down the list, I mean, Mickey Rulinski from Union Grove, kind of a late bloomer, uh, has an offer from Toledo. He's 18. Easton Kilty from Stratford, teammate of Ben Barton's. He's 19th on the list of offensive linemen in the state, and he just uh, has given a commitment, uh, was it a few weeks ago or a few months ago, to uh, North Dakota. So it speaks to the depth and quality of the offensive line group in the state of Wisconsin um, that, uh, you know, it's just such a good group, and it's a big group. As I had posted on Twitter the other day, the top 20 players, top 20 high school players, 17-year-olds, the average is six foot five, 268 pounds for those top 20 kids. Just amazing the, uh, the size in this group and the potential, the uh, quality. Um, it's no wonder so many schools come to Wisconsin and, and want to try to find offensive linemen. When, uh, when we've got kids of that size and that ability. Uh, and there were a lot of really good kids that I would have loved to include in the rankings that I, I, I couldn't. I just couldn't find a spot for everybody. Um, you know, there's, there's kids with D2 offers and D1 interest, excuse me, uh, even D1, you know, non-scholarship offer type uh, situations that um, have every argument to be on the list and I couldn't find a spot. Colby Hardig from DeForest. Ethan Jaquette from uh, Muskego, uh, Hunter Seletsky, and his teammate Joel Meglick from uh, Notre Dame, uh, a, a number of them. <laughs> it was just a really tough group of uh, offensive linemen to rank this year just based on how good that group is overall. So that wraps up our look at the offensive side of the ball. And uh, next week on the WSN podcast, we'll take a look at the defensive side of the ball. Again, kind of evaluate some of the different positions, some of the standouts, some of the sleepers that uh, you know I, I think could move up the rankings or maybe get into the 
uh, uh, conversation to receive a Division I offer if they have a big start to the year. Nice group of defensive players. Um, you know, maybe not quite as much talent on the defensive side of the ball as there is on the offensive side of the ball, but man, still some really good kids over there on defense. So that'll wrap up uh, our look today on the WSN podcast, looking at the offensive player rankings that came out on WSN in the last week or so. Make sure you check out all of that information on WSN. Full, uh, full evaluations and rankings can be found on, uh, on Wisports.net. Of course, does require a WSN Extra subscription, which you should have anyway. Uh, $50 for the year. You will not find a better value when it comes to high school uh, media coverage or, or anything like that, um, because it does include not only all the football information, but also the uh, basketball, uh, boys basketball from uh, Mark Miller, girls basketball from Norbert Durst, all kinds of information throughout the year on wisports.net. This has been a WSN podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.